Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and special guest host Allison Giddens here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Allison, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? It is great to see you here today. Back by popular demand. Good to be here. You're on the other side. So I'm out. Uh, let's see here. East, west, north, south. I'm on the east side of the uh, metro Atlanta perimeter, and you're on the other side, right? Yes, and it only takes you four days to get from <laughs> you to me in Atlanta right. traffic. Hey, that's progress. It was eight, eight a couple years ago, right? But uh, anyway, great to have you here. Appreciate what you do there at Wintech and, of course, with the Dave Krejci Foundation and a lot more. So we'll try to touch on that towards uh, the end of today's show. But folks, welcome. It's the Supply Chain Buzz, as you may expect, a live show that comes at you every Monday at 12 in Eastern Time. As always, Allison and I, Allison's sitting in. Greg's on assignment, Allison. We'll call that. Greg's on assignment somewhere around the globe. How's that sound, Allison? That sounds super secret. <laughs> okay. Uh, but as always, here on The Buzz, we're discussing a variety of news and developments that you got to be tracking all the way across global business, global supply chain. And we want to hear from you. So use that. You know, Share your take, your comments, your analysis. Share what all that in the public chat and AKA the cheap seats. Uh, we want to hear from you as well. And Allison, one other thing. So some of you uh, listeners or viewers may be listening to the replay of The Buzz. Hey, we encourage you to come out and try joining us live uh, on LinkedIn, YouTube, or some other social media channel of your choosing. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, Allison, before we move right into, we're going to share some resources. We'll say hello to a few folks, and then we're going to get through. I think we've got five stories to work through here today. So uh, uh, did you eat your Wheaties, Allison? I think so. I think so. Let's do this. I had okay. a lot of coffee this morning, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told I've, I've got to update that reference. If you remember, Allison, when, when you and I would go into elementary schools and talk supply chain back in the day, uh, I would say talk about Wheaties, and we get all these blank stares from oh, no. the third, fourth, and fifth graders. So I've oh, got to no. update that. Uh, maybe uh, Fruity like Pebbles. Lucky Charms or yeah, Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> right. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's, that is right. That's a winner right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I want to uh, start by sharing some resources here. Uh, so um, many of our listeners and viewers may know we uh, featured uh, the U.S. Bank team and along with uh, GAF, Senior Supply Chain Leadership, as we dove into the freight payment index for Q1 2023, as y'all may know, this free resource that comes out every quarter dives into uh, freight volume and spend and a lot of outstanding, not only supply chain observations, but economic observations and then some. So if you want to sign up, get your free copy, freight.usbank.com. It's just that easy. And we're also dropping the link there in the chat so y'all can check that out. Allison, do you do any weekend reading? Oh, a bunch, a, a bunch. bunch. So what is, uh, well, I'll talk, talk about with that said in a second, but what is, what's been one of your favorite recent reads? We we're talking about y'all's voracious reading appetite on the front end. What was one of your uh, favorite recent reads? I think one of the ones I kind of keep coming back to is uh, Dory Clark's The Long Game. Uh, talks about kind of strategic long-term thinking, and I think that's applicable to 
supply chain or whatever industry you're in. It's all about thinking about the the next step, but not only the next step, but the ones after that and really the big picture. So, oh, I love it. A really, a really good book. What comes to my mind as you shared that is critical thinking, you know, and how difficult real, real critical thinking can be. So it sounds like it was a great read out to pick that up. Speaking of, we were talking about your mother and all the Braves games she goes to. We we're talking about that in a pre-show. Well, hey, my mom is here, Leah Luton. She says, hello, Allison. Welcome to The Buzz. Hello, Miss Luton. We're going to have to get uh, mom on one of these shows at some point soon. Uh, Venkat is here. Venkat, great to see you here from uh, Bengaluru uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Hi, Venkat. And then Syed as well. Uh, Syed from Bangladesh. Great to have you here via LinkedIn. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, and hey, folks, we, we look to make it easy. That back on the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index, we dropped a link. Y'all can click that and you'll be having your own copy uh, shortly, shortly. Uh, make Keep it easy, man. Easy button, Allison. We need more easy buttons in global supply chain, right? Uh, yeah, but then back to your point on critical thinking, right? <laughs> you know, it's it's tough. You want that easy button, but then you can't go on autopilot all the time. Oh, so true. It is so true. Hey, Venkat says, my critical thinking I do these days with chat GPT on my side. Venkat, I love that. Okay, how do we know that he didn't write that with chat GPT? That's a good question, Allison. Uh, speaking of, hey, Donna Krejci, Allison's mom is here too. Hey, Donna. Oh, it's a mom festival. <laughs> hey, Jerry, uh, tuned in via LinkedIn uh, from Vinings. Great to see you as always, Jerry. And finally, T-Squared, who holds down the fort for us on YouTube. Bring on the buzz nourishment. We got a lot here today, T-Squared. Okay, uh, I want to mention really quick, over the weekend, we dropped our latest episode of With That Said. I think this is, uh, we're approaching 40 editions. We've got about 20. Already? Uh, approaching. Wow. Yeah. Can you believe that? You blink and you got 40 editions. Almost, we're approaching 22,000 subscribers. Uh, so this one, we really focused on a variety of things, but in particular, Armed Forces Day, which was Saturday, and we took a minute to celebrate our Veteran Voices programming, uh, which is led by a U.S. Army veteran, Mary-Kate Saliva. And it's our uh, pro bono uh, programming. We really are investing in ampl the amplification of the veteran uh, voice and, the, and their journeys and their challenges and, and their wins and successes. So y'all check that out. Check out With That Said. We dropped a link there in the chat. And check out Veteran Voices wherever you get your podcast. Uh, and finally, Allison, uh, we've got a, we're going to have you back tomorrow for a special event. But Wednesday... We are featuring Market Dojo and Dan Reeve with Esker is back with us. Not Dan Reeves, who used to coach the Falcons. Uh, all right. Well, so Dan Reeve with Esker, back by proper demand. Uh, Greg and I will be hosting a conversation focused on, hey, helping folks stay ahead of the curve when it comes to supply chain strain. Supply chain strain. Allison, have you, have you uh, experienced any supply chain strain over the last couple of years? No, none at all. We uh, we've figured it all out. Um, we have not made any mistakes. Um, oh, we I love really that. Just, yeah, we take a magic eight ball, okay, and we shake it, <laughs> and then we say, "Where is our product?" And then it says, "Please ask again." <laughs> I love that. It's like a, it's like the uh, uh, poor folks version of Chat GPT, right? Yes, the magic eight yes. ball. Yes. Oh, you're right. A magic eight ball is the original Chat GPT. <laughs> right. Holy cow. You're on to something. Uh, we try. We try. All right. So, folks, uh, be sure to join us for tomorrow's, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, Wednesday's. Well, join us for tomorrow, too, but Wednesday's live stream at 12 noon. And this is a great jumping off point. So I brought that graphic back because we're talking on our next, on our first story about some supply chain 
strain, right? So, Allison, I'm going to tee this up, and then I am going to get your take here. So, first story, in fact, the first of two that will focus on the aviation industry, one of our favorites here, I'm sure. Uh, Up first, as reported here by Reuters, with all the travel demand that's been unleashed out in the market, hey, we got to keep those jets flying. And more and more, airlines have been relying on used and even generic parts. Did you know it's been estimated that about $35 billion dollars B as in Bezos, is spent annually on parts and components for repairs. And while these used and generic parts are a small minority of that figure, sales are taking off and penetration is growing. Now, aircraft parts supply globally is still recovering from labor shortages, lockdowns, of course, associated with the pandemic and other things. Uh, So the lead time on new and even repaired components can be an issue. From a cost perspective, used parts cost somewhere between 20 and 40% less than new parts. And all of this is driving an absolute boom. A goal, uh, um, I'm thinking of like the, uh, the gold drive in California is creating a boom on tearing down old and aging planes that cannibalize those parts, as, as the term we use in the Air Force. So, Allison, and all of this, again, is brought to us by our friends at Reuters. Allison, I'd love to get your take on what we're seeing there with these uh, spare and generic parts. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of wild. So I'm in the aerospace industry and I'm kind of watching as a lot of these conversations are taking place. And remember too, that during the pandemic, it was a really big deal that planes were sitting for a long time. Like planes weren't designed mm. to just sit on a runway. They mm. had to move, the engines had to, to run. And same thing with an old car, right? You don't let it sit in the driveway forever and ever and ever. Um, so now that we're back up and going and now that demand has come back and now that we're seeing the need to use everything we've got, uh, we are seeing that in aerospace and defense industry, we're having to be even more hyper aware than usual on what they call counterfeit parts. And counterfeit parts aren't necessarily, uh, you know, somebody trying to be sneaky about something. I mean, sometimes that is the case, but sometimes it really is just about the misrepresentation of parts. It could be somebody along the supply chain who says, Yes, this rivet is what I say it is. And maybe it's not really made by the same or isn't the same material or the same heat treat of that material, which could matter in terms of the structural integrity of the piece. Mm. And so you can see how all of these things could cause problems. You don't, you know, when I'm getting on an airplane and I'm looking at the rivets on (laughs) on a Boeing, I'm like, let's just hope everyone had their certifications for this sucker. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, and, you know, when I was a metal stamping, we'd support some of the auto- automotive industry. You know, it's just like aviation. Things got to be right because lives are in jeopardy. And, you know, I loved what you just mentioned, Allison, stepping on a plane. I'm going to go back to this image. I got to tell you, if I'm sitting by the wings uh, and I'm, I'm watching it, I can't help but to, like stare at the wings and I don't want to see any flap move <laughs> In what appears to be the wrong direction, it can right. kind of be a bit, a bit of an anxious uh, time for me. But uh, that's why you I just close the window. Just close the window. <laughs> that's right. Just, just you can't see it; it doesn't exist. Right. That love that. Uh, and but you also make make a great point. You know, these um, billion dollar aircraft aren't meant to sit there and just sit there and sit there. Things are right. going to happen, right? And that's what so many of these aircraft did uh, during the the pandemic because we couldn't yep. go anywhere, right? Yep. All right. So we're going to move to a related second story. But first, going to say hello to Gino Pledger. Gino, great to see you here. He hails from North Alabama. 
uh, unless he's on the road traveling, but great to see you, Gino. Kim Winter, greetings from the United Arab Emirates all. I just spent a little bit of time, Allison, with Kim Winter last week as we uh, tackled a Middle Eastern version of the business buzz. Cool. Kim has got not just one finger. He's got all four fingers on the pulse of, of global business. And Josh Goody, great to see you, uh, as always, from Seattle. I'm looking forward to your contributions here today. Have you ever been to Seattle, Allison? No, in fact, funny enough, they were on our very short list to travel and go see the Braves play the Mariners back in 2020. And that was supposed to be May of 2020. Okay. And, you know, some other stuff came up. So <laughs> well, next time it's coming. Yes. Next time. It's on my short list. It's on my short list. And Kim drops a great factor. Fun fact, he says Middle East carriers are ordering nearly 3,000 jets by 2040. Folks, if you're in the airline business... Uh, that is that's called job security, job security, and probably profit if it's well managed. I imagine, uh, Allison. Yep. All right. So let's keep driving. I want to get to this next story here because we're talking about one of my. I'm a big old military air aircraft nerd, Allison. I was before I went in the Air Force, and I still am coming out the other side as I exited in 2002, 21 years ago. It's unbelievable. Um, but check this out. So that is a picture of the C5. That is the Air Force's largest uh, aircraft in its inventory. I, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, Amanda and Catherine, thanks for your support as always, but y'all check me on this. I'm pretty sure when it was launched, the C-5 was the largest aircraft in the world, I believe, but it since has been overtaken. So interesting article here from Business Insider as it talks about how the United States Air Force set in the global standard since 1947. I added that in there, Allison. It plans to keep its largest cargo aircraft flying. So introduced in 1970, so it's already been flying for some 53 years, if my math is right. Um, the C-5 fleet has undergone a variety of upgrades, and the Air Force plans to keep these big birds flying until 2040. Man, and talk about, um, you know, back to talking parts, which we're doing on that first story, Allison. One of the ways, this article speaks to it a little bit, one of the ways that the Air Force and its world-class maintenance gurus have been keeping the C-5 in the air 3D printed parts. So here's a did you know. The rollout, and Allison, I bet you know this already. So th this is not a did Allison know. This is a did our listeners know, maybe. I might not have. You may not. <laughs> the rollout of the first C5 galax uh, Galaxy took place here in the Atlanta area at the Lockheed Martin plant in Marietta, Georgia, back in 1968. So Allison, I, I know uh, I have toured that facility. I know you've been in there too, I bet. Yes. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really cool. What's really fascinating, too, is this whole the conversation with 3D printing and airplanes that have been designed and manufactured over the course of the past five, six decades, because 3D printing, there has to be uh, it, there have to be um, how do you how do you word the industry acceptance of the process itself. Mm. So it's not as though you could just take a blueprint for a piece of a C5 and say, here, instead of putting this on a traditional CNC mill, make it through a 3D printer mm. doing this. Because if if you're in the industry or if you're kind of familiar with how this works, there are plenty of uh, parts that require sort of what they call grain direction on parts. And that has to do a lot with the structural integrity of different pieces of the plane. And so when you think about it, if you go to a 3D printer and um, a lot of these almost like powdered metals or, mm. or composites, um, it's not as though you can all of a sudden say, oh, the grain direction needs to be this. 
the whole process of the manufacturing has to change. So it's going to be very interesting to see over time how design engineers incorporate a lot of these changes into more efficiencies in the supply chain. Because yeah, 3D printing, if if you think about it, that that could be a savior of a lot of different printed parts. But at the same time, you have to make sure that the changes that are being made in the production don't adversely affect the safety of the product or the quality of the product. Allison, excellent point from someone that knows. Uh, many of y'all that have called Allison's uh, previous appearances here knows that she leads a, uh, a manufacturing organization that does a lot of business in aviation space. So you're hearing it from a subject matter expert for sure here today. I would add to that, um, Allison, going back to what you shared on the first story, you know, our, our military supply chain, you know, and, and the thousands, tens of thousands of providers that provide parts, not just for aircraft, but all of our machine and, and some of the bad actors, Allison, that you alluded to on the, on the front end, man, that is so important as we lean more and more on our military to keep uh, peace across the globe. So, and, and Hey, those, those maintenance uh, technicians and specialists and experts, I, t- I touted, I worked alongside those folks. I had the honor to do so, and they it, they are amazing what they do day in and day out. So, Allison, I bet uh, I bet you can appreciate uh, those same folks, huh? Oh man, for sure, for sure. Uh, all right. So, hey, John, great to see you here, John Peterson. He says uh, the B-52s first launched in 1954 and are also slated to continue operating until the 2040s. That's a great point. And so, here, here's some trivia. I have a question about it. maybe John can answer this. I heard someone tell me in the industry. That if you do any work for B fifty, and maybe it was a, maybe it was the bomber instead, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I thought it was B fifty two. If you do any work for them, any paperwork that you have related to the manufacture of that part has to be kept on hand for one hundred years. <laughs> well, no. I'm, hey. cur- I'm curious if that's a true <laughs> or if somebody was just making it up. Oh, Allison, uh, we'll see. Well, let's put it out there. Hundred yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Maybe John knows. I don't. Know. <laughs> but you know. Uh, and I can't give the whole thing here today, but the B-52, as John's speaking to, uh, it's got a nickname that is an acronym called the BUFF, Big, Ugly, and I'll let you you uh, use your imagination for what the last two stand for. Well, it's also a great band out of Athens. That's right. That so, is right. Yeah. Rome is one of my favorite songs of all time by the, the wonderful B-52s, but it shouldn't surprise anybody. Kidding aside, the Air Force is, you know, it's got budgetary constraints and these proven aircraft, even if they are older, you know, uh, they're trying to hang, you know, hang on to them for a long time. And this isn't new for the Air Force. When I was in uh, the KC-135s, KC uh, the air refueler was still around. And some of those tail numbers, Allison, were from the 40s and 50s at the time. So uh, anyway, but uh, God bless all the folks operating these uh, aircraft and uh, keeping the peace around the world. Jerry says, um, nothing wrong with these used generic parts if they're inspected, meet standards, and the source is confirmed. Provenance, as uh, Greg would say if he was here. The safety record, Jerry says, is good in the aviation industry. Allison, quick comment there. Yep. No, I agree. The generic parts, there's nothing wrong with generic parts as long as, again, if you have certifications and you can prove that the part is represented in the way that, or the, the part is accurately represented, then uh, yeah, that's solid. Agreed. Agreed. And hey, let me call attention. If if mom is still listening, mom, the safety record is good in the aviation industry. 
We're going to get you on a plane soon. We're going to go somewhere. So, Mom, <laughs> take Jerry's message to heart. Uh, all right. So, Alice, let's keep driving here. I want to share this next story because uh, we're talking about sourcing, right? And this is all about, pull my notes up here, sourcing and reshoring trends. So, as more and more companies are looking for ways out of China for a variety of reasons, uh, reported here by Supply Chain Digital, costs here in the U.S. may slow that reshoring trend a good bit. Keith Hartley, CEO of Levadata, makes a great point in this article. He says, quote, sourcing managers have many variables to consider to make the best decision for the company, but cost usually takes priority, end quote. He and many others point to the popularity of supply chains moving sourcing and, uh, and other operations to Mexico and other countries, in particular Mexico, Vietnam, those have been really popular destinations here recently. Um, Allison, your thoughts? Interesting, because you see a lot of the, uh, you know, made in the USA stuff pop up and everybody's under a lot of pressure to, you know, buy American, buy local, but then nobody wants to pay more. <laughs> so I think it speaks to that whole, yeah, are we going to, are we going to be reshoring as quickly as uh, a piece of us, our integrity wants? Um, I there's. Do you follow Diana Huff on LinkedIn? Uh, name sounds familiar. She is up in the Northeast and she's got some cool stuff she does. She is hyper aware of the Made in the USA initiative. And so she's always identifying different things in her life that she could purchase or do that supports Made in the USA. Mm. And so she's, it, that's really, it's kind of a fun follow. So I encourage you to check her out and, and see all the stuff. Huff. Diana Huff, H U F F. Let's see if uh, Catherine or Amanda, if y'all could drop Diana Huff in the link, that'd be neat to, to follow. Um, and as Josh points out, man, Mexico, they have been doing big things. There's tons of yes. activity. Uh, and Josh yep. says Mexico has continued to make leaps and bounds and reshoring efforts. Absolutely. I imagine the USMCA helps that as well. Uh, you know, smoothing and streamlining trade between Mexico, the U.S. and Canada. Uh, of course, costs, uh, access to workforce, I imagine, or some of those. Uh, Allison, anything lastly to add when, when it comes to sourcing stuff and ever-evolving global supply chain footprint? I think it's going to be interesting in the next several years. I think the, the Mexico and Canada, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more partnerships, um, not only because there isn't as a, much of a language barrier between those, you know, us three as maybe you think. Right. Um, you know, so I, I think that uh, we're going to start seeing a, a lot more, a lot more there. That's a great point. And it's, it's a very unique market between the Mexico, U.S. and Canada that many folks that are in trade will say you can't really find that, uh, that type of regional relationship elsewhere in the world. And of course, that's leveraged quite a bit. Um, I want to go back to, as we wrap here before we move on. You, you started your commentary with a very uh, universal truth. We can't have it both ways, folks. Uh, you know, if, if you want, if you want to support stuff coming back, it's probably going to cost you a little bit more. So we got to vote. If you want to, you know, vote with your wallets, right? Also, um, Allison, when you shared that, it reminded me of, uh, uh, you know, if Greg was here, he, his, his mantra is consumers are the beginning and the end of supply chain. So us consumers, because everyone's a consumer, you're, you're a big part of it, whether you like it or not. And so when you think about as we are more and more demanding sustainability, right, and reducing um, uh, carbon footprint and all of that stuff, but we can't leave those rallies to drive policy and then go order, you know, 18 pairs of shoes to get, get it next day 
to try on all 18 right. and send 17 back. We can't, you know, we got to be smarter and savvier as consumers, right? Your quick comment there, Allison. Yeah, it's tough. It's all, it's, I think we are constantly grappling the, the, um, the competing priorities, right. Of, of our supposed elevated integrity, uh, to our immediate gratification. Yes. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. USA, USA, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> yeah. But I really, really need, uh, you know, hair ties <laughs> put, set to my house and put on my porch in the next seven hours. <laughs> right. Man, competing priorities. I think you nailed it. Uh, let's see here. John says reshoring depends on the item and cost. It's a great point. For example, injection molded plastics have been a good reshoring item due to logistics costs and the prevalence of automation in the process. Excellent point, John. Excellent point. Uh, and our team found uh, Diana Huff. So we've got that link. As uh, Allison mentioned, a great person to follow. So y'all check that out. All right. So Allison, let me get Josh's comment in here. Uh, Josh says, good news is that Elon, Elon Musk, said he wanted to use a webcam to do point of origin for the cobalt uh, industry. Have to see what happens there. I agree with you, um, Josh. Mining in particular, right, across the globe, really important workforce considerations, right, As especially as we are trying to get a stranglehold on forced labor and modern-day slavery. We've got to really, really shine a big old uh, flashlight into that industry and hold people accountable. So, Josh, great point there. All right. So, quick commercial, Allison, quick commercial. Hey, we're very frank and direct here. Uh, folks, join us Thursday at 12 noon. That's May 25th. As we bring back Ming Zhao and repeat guest Mark Holmes with Inner Systems, and we're going to be talking about realizing the power of real-time, accurate data to not only accelerate and optimize decision-making, but empowering your people. So y'all join us for that. All right, so Allison, back to work. Not only am I a big old aviation nerd, but I am definitely a big space nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about the space supply chain. It's a great read here from Axios. I think I said that right. That discusses the growth and evolution taking place in this space industry, in the modern day space industry. For example, the space business is becoming far more plug and play than it used to be. It's more approachable. Massive players like NASA are interested in buying equipment like satellites and space uh, spacecraft that are not over the top customized for their unique mission. They're more and more willing to use kind of more of a standardized model. Trends like this and many others are creating what I call a space for the people movement that is welcoming more and more players. Additionally, Allison, just like we've seen just about everywhere else, technology is evolving and making things easier and less expensive. In this case, such as satellite production and launches. Everybody wants a satellite these days. So Allison, before I, I get your thoughts here, it reminds me of uh, when, I, when I read this, especially about satellites getting smaller and getting more reasonably priced, flat screen TVs. You know, do you remember back in the day when they first came out? Um, oh, yeah. I don't know about you. I can only afford the Michael Scott flat screen. You know, it, it's about that big and hung on the side of the wall. But these days, goodness gracious, you can get one that's eight feet wide. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They pay you bucks. to take it. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. But Allison, yep. talk, let's talk about uh, what's going on in the space industry. It's really interesting because I'm I'm seeing a lot of the conversation um, in my industry overlaps a lot with space. And there are a lot of manufacturers in aerospace and defense that are also doing business in space. And a trend I'm seeing is that um, the, the space players, they want the work 
yesterday. So if you think that, you know, aerospace and defense and and ground support equipment and aircraft, if you think that stuff was quick turnaround space, it seems like they want lead times that are yesterday. When you want your parts and, you know, you you wait for them to say two weeks and you were going to hold your breath and say you can't do it in two weeks. And then they say, we want it yesterday. Like, oh, my gosh. So I I see it really is a space race. It really is a who can be the quickest, who can be, you know, and I, I that article talked about um the space junk too right so that's that's really interesting because that's something that you you have this concept in your head that like i i am really bad spatially but pun intended i i have a hard time grasping infinity i have a hard time grasping the space of space Mm. and i'm sitting here thinking oh but you got all this junk that's going to show up eventually and you know what if spaceships run into it okay well you know what's the likelihood of that i don't know but I don't know, is it? But the more stuff you have in space, right? I mean, I'm I'm the idiot that's going to run over something in the road if it's the only thing in the road. <laughs> uh, I think that's a real real concern. You know, I've I've read uh, you know since the International Space Station has been in operation for for years now, I guess that they've had some close calls uh, with some of the space junk up there, right? And of course, that can take out if you have a um, I can't remember exactly how fast they're moving. I want to say like you know. 25,000 miles per hour seems to be a common velocity for satellites that are rotating. Not the, not the, not the, uh, the ones that are, what's it called? Geosynchronous. Oh orbit. yeah. 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 Yep. The ones that are staying still, but those are, they're rotating. They're, they're moving. And so whatever you hit when you're doing 25,000 miles an hour is not, it's not gonna be pretty. Right. No, so I, no. I think, and as more and more, you know, Allison, I think your comments are dead on because as the satellite industry is democratized, right, and there can be more and more players, there's only going to be more and more volume. And so I think the likelihood of there being accidents up there is only going to grow. And then, Allison, we're going to complicate things as nation states begin figuring out how to how to how to fight wars in space. Goodness gracious. So Allison, I think it's going to be it's an exciting time on one hand. Of, of space exploration, the democratization of the space industry, the James Webb Space Telescope, which is going to answer some of those questions, Allison, that that uh, you were pointing out. But then it's, it's, it's scary because you know when we make things easier and less expensive, we don't just do it for the good actors; we do it for the bad actors too. Right? right. Yep. Yep. And it's unpaved. It's it's this is there is no protocol. There is no oh, it's how we've always done it. It's it's uh yeah it's wild gonna, wild it's, west yeah for sure all right so let me share a couple quick comments and folks with each of these articles we have dropped the link just like this one to the article y'all check it out and let us know what you think uh allison i'm figuring out we may have the wrong diana huff so so <laughs> is that what did we have the wrong link I there was, i was hoping to tag her so she'd catch the live oh. version i didn't tell her i was gonna i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna i I thought, you know, surprise, here you right. go. So she's going to she's gonna see the uh, tag and go, what the heck? Why are all these Love people it. all of a sudden following me? <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, Diana, you're doing good stuff. That's why. Um, all right. Greg. Greg, great to see you here. I hope this finds you well. Always enjoy your perspective. He says, communication is the key. This is going back to what you're talking about, lead times, maybe. Getting out the information that you have, uh, manufacturing hours available, or letting people know you're looking to buy in the USA. With your supplier needs, yeah, that yeah. Sound, makes sense to me, Allison. Huh? That's a good call. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's and there's a lot of back to our C five conversation and some of the some of the aircraft conversations. A lot of those designs 
call out specific what they call cage codes or uh, specific manufacturers or sources. And so kind of by those requirements, mm. you are ultimately going to be using U.S. provided sources, domestic yep. sources. So that's always that's that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think being communication is key. And that's knowing what it is that you're getting into or knowing what it is that you can offer on the front end saves everybody a heck of a lot of time. That's right. You know, what's old is new again. Uh, the importance of communication, you know, whether it's the this digital era we're moving through, it just becomes much more important, especially as we're moving faster and faster. And speaking of, uh, Allison, and Jerry, I'm going to get your comment in just a second here. I read, let's see here, let me get, make sure I get this right. Um, over the weekend, I th- in fact, I think we put the blurb in with that said uh, on Sunday morning. Yet, you know, Moore's Law, which has been around a long time, it really speaks to the speed and the advancement of the semiconductor uh, industry, right? I think every two years or two and a half years, I think it doubles. Well, according to Google, the speed uh, and the ability of AI is doubling every six months. How about that, Allison? That's wild. It is wild, isn't it? Um, all right. Jerry says, exactly. Space is a tiny and complex subset of the aerospace vertical. As a 3PL, I would be offering support for parts replacement and aviation and then see if I could provide a unique value prop for space down road. It's not where I would start. That's probably a good point. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And part of it, too, is trying to connect with the people that already have the interest in aerospace. I think to start with the space side, I think you're putting a lot more hurdles in front of you than, mm. than you need to. And it might work for some people. I mean, you know, heck, sometimes it's the craziest people that end up the, the most successful, right? That's right, Allison. Uh, but I think you and Jerry's uh, advice there is uh, appropriate. Uh, come on, Luton. Hey, Finale Gamer. I'm trying hard here to deliver the news to you. Do you, do you happen to know her, uh, that person, Allison? Yeah. I didn't know if Matt was going to sneak in here and uh, have a little fun with us. No? Don't know. I think he's got to work. <laughs> oh, does? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, good. Everybody get back to work. Sabode, great to see you here via LinkedIn. And you ask a great question. And Allison, I'd love to get your take here as we're getting off subject a little bit. But uh, I want to I address this because last week, I assembled or I was uh, leading two panels uh, with and, and an executive from Walmart. But these two panels was focused on um, reinventing global value chains. But also the second panel was focused on uh, the warehouse, uh, the, the warehouse of the modern age, basically. And of course, automation, you know, like every other organization, the warehouse industry is really leveraging automation in particular. But to a person, no pun intended, to a person, all of them, all of the leaders and experts on automation spoke about the power, still the power and the necessity of having humans involved, making decisions, uh, driving success, solving problems. And while Allison, you know, as we've talked about here, thousands, if not millions of times now, you know, some of the basic uh, blocking and tackling and operations from coast to coast and really around the world is being automated more and more for a variety of reasons, but in particular here in the States because of workforce challenges, right? Organization, uh, businesses are, are going to find a way. That is opening the door of doors and windows of opportunity, maybe the whole house of opportunity, to people if they want to walk through there and and take on a more fulfilling and rewarding and, and 
challenging role. And that's good news to my ears. Allison, anything you want to add there to Sabode's question? No, I, I think so. I think human resources is going to be operations if it's not already. I mean, everything you deal with in operations, you have people involved, whether it's vendor management, whether it's IT security, whether it's um, the hiring and onboarding and offboarding. And, you know, I, I it, my, my speaking to, we were joking about Matt showing up or not. My husband just um, onboarded a new job and he he was telling me stories about the onboarding process and how thorough it was and how great it was because he was left with very few questions. You know, there I think that there's a ton of value to no matter how much we can automate things and no matter the, the weekend before he started, he had paperwork emailed to him that he could fill out online. You know, we can automate that stuff. Right. But it was the stuff that happened the Monday after that he was so impressed with that involved people. Yeah. So I, I think that no matter how much you automate something, maybe the automation really just gives us more time to insert the people. Yes. Well said, uh, Allison. Well said. I love that. Um, and Greg says, technology advances exponentially. It sure does, Greg. And it's only going to get faster. Um, all right. So speaking, that's a perfect segue, Greg. Perfect segue. So thank you for that. Allison, we kind of wanted to wrap on this interesting observation here. So, so we were talking pre-show about chat GPT. I can never, I got to slow down when I say that. Uh, botch it all at the high heaven. Uh, now, Allison, you've used it. Catherine on our team have used it. I have not used it yet. I tried to sign on a couple of times and it was capacity was full. So I got to revisit it. But uh, over the weekend, I was reading uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of Twitter. Y'all can find me at uh, Scott W. Luton. Um, this Paul and his his handle is It's Paul AI. He was talking about some of the biggest updates that Chat GPT had just rolled out, um, and he listed eight things. And I want to share a couple of those here. And I'm gonna leave this the graphic up just for a second, so folks, y'all can read the full list, and we may can drop it in the chat too. Uh, let's see. Now with Chat GPT, Allison, you can detect trends and conduct academic research. You can use it to analyze the stock market. Now that could be a dangerous thing. If you <laughs> be careful about betting the farm, uh, and perhaps this is my favorite. You can use it to take a complex event or topic and explain it in a way that a 12 year old could understand. And we need to do that more, whether we're leveraging chat GPT or not. So Allison, your thoughts on any of those new, uh, new, uh, services that you can leverage there. So I kind of arguably think that it was able to do a lot of those things before this weekend. Okay. And it's all in how you ask the tool certain questions and what you take of it. Um, in fact, Catherine on the pre-show and I, we were talking about how, you know, you can you can have it come up with a meal plan for you and even itemize a grocery list. I mean, you can you can ha it's just like anything else. It's all in the questions that you ask it. If you're Remember Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yes. And the certain questions that you have to ask in order to get certain answers. It's, it's very similar to that. So, okay. um, I I mean, I I use it for a couple of things. I needed to come up with a generic letter for something. And I thought, like, I started typing the letter in an email. And then I got frustrated because my brain was already fried. And I was like, this is not coming out the way I want it to. <laughs> and so I went, <laughs> I went to ChatGPT. I said, write a letter um, telling a so-and-so person about this. Yep. And they spit out the generic thing. I copy-pasted it, changed a few words to fit my context, and sent it. It saved me 45 minutes of brainless decision-making. Man, so, okay. 
Yeah. So uh, what you're saying is I'm behind times on chat GPT. So I got to go back to uh, our YouTubers. Come on, Luton. Get with it. Come on, you know, Luton. Come on. Luton. So. <laughs> now, keep in mind, though, too, the, the data that it's pulling is, yes. I believe, pre-2021. I think it's November okay. 2021. So if you if you were to go in there right now and say, tell me about Allison and Scott on supply chain now on May 22nd, okay. um, it wouldn't know because it's got data that's older. So just like with anything else, you have to remember, you know, this is artificial intelligence. This is it is only as good as the data that it's ingesting. Yes. So I, you know, I, I wouldn't take it as the end all be all. I would just use it as a support tool. Excellent point, uh, Allison. And that's from a, a user uh, that's been using it for quite some time. I would just add what Greg likes to talk about uh, when we talk about artificial intelligence. It doesn't always guarantee it's actual intelligence. So you got to be careful of that. All right. A couple of quick comments here. And folks, we did drop the link to that Twitter that Twitter feed where it listed the eight things. So y'all can check that out there. Let's see here, Josh. Josh Goody says, there was a great question I heard five years ago. If you had to go back to the 1800s, what is the thing that would blow the minds of everyone? The top answer was that we have wireless phones in our pockets that are hundreds of times more powerful than the computers we landed people on the moon with. And we use it to send cat videos and check sports updates. Thanks a lot for those cat videos. Thank <laughs> God. Could you could you just imagine having that conversation, uh, Josh? That's a, that's a good one. I appreciate you sharing. Uh, let's see. Venkat uh, says, supply chain now. I'm happy that it is now real time. I wonder if that update is available for all users or just for the plus. That's a good question. GPT-4 users. I guess, is he referencing, is that a subscriber um, yes, level. there's a paid version. Yes. And there's a, um, that's a really good question about the update. Maybe, maybe that post 2021 is available. Shows okay. you that I'm not a paid subscriber. <laughs> uh, and Greg likes your comment there about data in and data out could also be put garbage in and garbage out. Timeless, timeless cliche, but Greg, I appreciate that. Um, all right. So Allison, man, we are efficient today. Not only do we tackle a couple extra things here on the buzz but we're we're not even approaching it's not even 12 45 eastern time p.m eastern time yet so good just in time for a quiz okay we're quizzing quiz. everyone yeah we're going to quiz everyone on all the oh. data that we just went over <laughs> they'll they'll be using chat gpt to answer no cheating no cheating so allison i want to i want to touch on you know we had your mother donna Krejci on a live stream uh last week or maybe a week before as she was celebrating 50 years in the workforce and had a great conversation. You know, we're all big fans of Donna Krejci. But one of the things we touched on that, that I know is near and dear to your heart is the Dave Krejci Foundation, right? So uh, some of our listeners may recall us uh, having some previous shows around that, which it enables uh, kids and their families in need to play athletics and sports because there's all kind of fees and equipment costs related. But Allison, talk to us about why the Dave Krejci Foundation is so near and dear to your heart, and and how can folks uh, maybe support you? Cool. Thanks for the plug. You bet. Yeah. So the Dave Krejci Foundation helps local kids outside of the the Atlanta and metro areas play sports when their families are going through tough financial times. And um, yeah, we support the to pay the fees to these organizations um, to make sure that the kid can play when otherwise maybe their family would would have sports fees on a back burner, understandably so, as things get much more expensive. And, mm. uh, you know, it's, it costs just as much um, money to put food on the table and keep a roof over a kid's head 
We're seeing a lot of single parent requests. We're seeing a lot of uh, grandparents who have taken in kids. We've seen a lot of medical issues. We've seen some veteran um, support requests. Of course, I mean, that all these these kinds of, of very deserving families that are, they just need, need a little bit of help. So we, um, my dad was Dave Krejci, the late Dave Krejci, and he was a sports fanatic. And so when he passed away, we thought, well, what do we do in his honor? Do we do a scholarship? We thought, no, that's just not, that's not as exciting as he was. And so um, we thought, when well, he really wasn't exciting. He was, a, he loved vanilla ice cream. Um, so, <laughs> but he was a sports fanatic. He loves sports. And he was the kind of guy who would always make sure that somebody who, um, who couldn't do something, if he had the ability to, to make it happen, he did. And he did it under the radar. Mm. And so he, he was a true believer that if you have the power and ability to help someone, it is your responsibility to do so by your own merit. So that's kind of what we've turned, what we've turned the organization to do. I love it. And folks, uh, where can folks go learn more information, uh, either submit, you know, a, a need, uh, or support the organization? Where can they go, Allison? Sure. DaveCrachey.com, D-A-V-E-K-R-A-C-H-E.com. And awesome. uh, yeah, there's information on the website, whether you need our help or whether you would like to help. Wonderful. I appreciate that. Appreciate what, appreciate and admire what y'all do, real action oriented, results oriented, outcomes oriented, uh, a nonprofit that's doing great work. Uh, and as yeah, as Donna says, hey, thank you all for telling everybody about the Dave Krejci Foundation. You bet, Donna. And we've dropped the link. Y'all can check out the website there. One click away from learning more. And hey, I hope I can say this. And Allison, if I can't, Donna, you can break my legs later. But over the weekend, uh, you know, Dusty Rhodes is making a comeback, Allison. Didn't know if you know that or not. But his uh, between, and, and Dusty Rhodes, by the way, is a big wrestling legend. Now, he was really popular back in the 70s and 80s and, and 90s, early 90s maybe. And he was one of the best wrestling interviews, wrestling, wrestling interviews you'd ever hear. Right. And so folks in, in Facebook memes and stories where I've seen all these dusty little snippets of all the craziness that he would share was I was dropping something in Facebook over the weekend about uh, how I thought Dusty Rhodes and Magnum T.A. walked on water back when I was a kid. Donna Krejci mentioned how Dave Krejci was a big wrestling fan. <laughs> and I think, Allison, I may get this wrong, but Donna said something like how Dave once said, the NFL's fake, but wrestling's wrestling real. Wrestling is real. Yes. That <laughs> was that was a common oh yeah. Uh, oh oh yeah. It. Love it. And that's and when you you know when you talk wrestling, you gotta you gotta call it wrestling. W R A S S L I N apostrophe. Um, all right. So Allison, uh really enjoyed your perspective here today, especially as we talked about um sourcing and the aviation industry where you're you know day in, day out, you and your team are doing excellent work there. Um, how can folks beyond Dave Krejci Foundation? How can folks? I know you do. You get out and you do a lot of keynotes. Uh, you do a lot of industry work um, and a lot more. How can folks connect with you, uh, Allison Giddens? Definitely come see me on on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there, so find me. I think I'm Allison Giddens on LinkedIn. So yeah, it's just that easy. It is just that it is. easy. The link to her LinkedIn profile is there in the show notes. Uh, Allison, really have enjoyed. And we're going to have you back tomorrow. We've got a great live stream set tomorrow. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the uh, Automation for the People. It wasn't an REM album. Automatic. Automatic for the People is an REM album. 
going to be performing cover songs from that album. <laughs> so right. please join us. Oh man, we're, folks are going to le- they're going to uh, avoid that like the plague. No, yeah, uh, no one will show up. <laughs> we're talking about the uh, automation imperative tomorrow. Uh, so y'all join us uh, for twelve noon as Alice and I host that conversation. But folks. Uh, thank you for all that showed up and, and shared all the great comments here today. It's one of my favorite things as we uh, continue down this journey. Big thanks to all the production team, Catherine, Amanda, Chantel, you name it, that helped make today's session happen. Allison, a pleasure to knock out the supply chain buds with you here today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Sorry, Greg. We had fun without you. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Greg's will be back soon. Uh, but Greg, safe travels to wherever you are. But folks, whatever you do, I hope you can take a nugget you learned here today or some advice and expertise, you name it, and put it in action. Deeds, not words. That's what we challenge you with. And as we wrap here today on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.